To Hell with the Hot Dish represents the opinions and musings of three not overly intelligent pastors working to challenge a church long defined by a cliché casserole culture. The thoughts expressed here are their own and not necessarily the thoughts of any larger institution. So feel free to find your seat, stow all expectations for answers in the overhead compartment, and join us on this misguided adventure. This is To Hell with the Hot Dish. misguided adventure that we have affectionately titled to hell with the hot dish i am alex i am from currently cincinnati ohio and i am kyle currently from and i've always been from fort worth texas kyle's not a rambling man, not a if you will <laughs> kyle is a texan who's dabbled outside of texas but he always comes back. i've stepped outside but i'm like that you know boomerang i just keep coming back He's an inside dog, not an outside dog. <laughs> He's an inside cat. He sometimes roams around, but he comes That's back. right. That's right. He knows where the tacos are. <laughs> he knows where his barbecue is. I know know where the best of it is. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. How are you? Wait. Okay. We missed someone. Oh, yes. Lauren, say Lauren, your thing. Lauren, where are you? Lauren, again with this nonsense, <laughs> he is not here. That's right. No, we understand. Lauren's recharging those old Lauren batteries. You can't run like that all the time. You'll burn up. Oh, he would for sure. He runs he, hot. He does. You know, he does. It's all right. We're, he we're, so he's good. He's taking some time give him, off. Give him his space. I will. He's He was getting fussy. You know? <laughs> well, we he, know about plot, that, don't we? Plotalomaletics has gone to his head and he's <laughs> like, I really got to dive into what this means for me to be such a preaching guru, which he is now. Apparently. So, um, Kyle, so what are we doing today? Sans Lorne. We have a wonderful guest on with us today. We are <sighs> very excited. Pastor Margaret Kelly is here with us. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. It, see, we can't do this on our own. We need great folks to help make. No, it can't just be Kyle and I. We'll just reminisce about days at Calvary. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear just you and I ramble on about old just days Just reminisce here at about our favorite tacos and barbecue in Dallas Fort Worth. Well, we could area. do that, but we're not gonna. That's our other podcast. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has a podcast like that. Oh, you know they do. There's a podcast for everything, mm-hmm. I think. I think at this point we've reached saturation. <laughs> well, it is a joy to have you on with us today. And we actually are going to be talking about food in some way, shape, or form for right. part of the ministry you are involved in, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You run a ministry called Shoby's Table. You are, you are in St. Paul, Minnesota, so you are in Hot Dish Mecca. I dare, dare I say, right? <laughs> I am. I am. And and I will own it. I like a good tater tot hot dish. <laughs> oh, right. See, some people some people come on because they're not from the that that Luther land and they're like, "What the heck is your podcast called what now?" And we're like, "Oh, yeah, no, man." Like, what? Uh, 
<laughs> I, I will own that when I went to Washington, D.C. for my internship and there was no hot dish, no Jello, and no Kool-Aid in, the, in any of the potlucks, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Like, what, where am I? What planet? And see, I showed up, like, I went to Ohio the first time, like, kind of, um, I got out of my Florida scenario, which is not very distinctly anything like Lutheran. It's very much like a hodgepodge of everybody because yeah. everyone's retiring in Florida. That's true. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was something I learned about was like, oh, there's like a goof about these foods and being Lutheran. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, it sure is. They kind it of sure is. go together. Well, food and church. So are you from Minnesota uh, originally? I grew up an hour south of Canada. Oh. <laughs> so I grew up about in, north of Bemidji, Minnesota, which is um, about an hour, hour and a half south of Fort Francis, Ontario. So it's easier to tell people I'm from south of Canada than north of the Twin Cities because <laughs> north of Bemidji, I did I thought was Canada. Yeah, so almost. I'm learning. It, it is it, basically. Yes. Why yeah. not? So, so I am I am like dyed in the wool Lutheran culturally. However, I'm not Scandinavian, and oh. so growing up, we we were like accidental Lutherans, and uh, and even as a as a PK, like. I was like, what are these people eating? This is the weirdest food I've ever seen because I had not been around Lepsa or Ludovisk or any of these really stereotypical Scandinavian food. Right. Even within being a Minnesotan, there was some cross-cultural strangeness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only. Uh, yeah, it's that that that's something the idea that lutherans wouldn't understand these garrison keeler references shocks people sometimes yeah. like, oh, i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> yeah it's better that way <laughs> <laughs> so i'm so glad that you're on today because what we want to talk about is a little bit about what you're doing we love to have our you know, I don't know what we call them, hot dish heroes we've called, where people are coming on that are doing things that the church needs to know about. We, we've talked about hot dish, and we love hot dish, and we love all of those casseroles, but there's a lot of butter, there's a lot of sugar, there's a lot of salt in there. A steady diet of that is not necessarily what's going to make us lean, mean disciples, if you want to put it that way, but at least disciples ready for action, right? We could be so much better than that. I think from uh, from what I know, and I'm excited for all of our listeners to get to hear uh, from you about what you're doing and how you're really forming disciples and reshaping the church, I think, the wider church uh, along the way and along your journey. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your ministry, yeah. Shobi's Table, and uh, what got you into that and excited about that? And Of course. So I'm a second generation uh, mission developer among people in poverty. So, oh, so kind of second generation. That. So, so you said you're a PK. So you're you're. I'm uh, yeah. I'm a PK, but I'm also a mission developer, mission developers kid, and my folks worked with people in poverty. So I was nice. I was shaped by those experiences as a child, as a young adult, and so there's that piece to my formation. And then knowing that, I went into seminary and did a dual master's degree. So I have a master of social work as well as my master of divinity. For a while, I told people I was a divine social worker. <laughs> That's pretty rad. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? You, you, you make it work. Yes. 
And so uh, my background is in working with folks with severe and persistent mental illness. I do really well with people who are having um, psychotic symptoms, who are delusional, who are hallucinating, who are uh, really struggling with severe mental illness. Like I get super calm, super happy to do the work. (laughs) And that's just how I'm built. So uh, taking from my experience as a, a mental health worker in St. Paul, Um, what became clear was four issues. So this is my elevator speech. That's a preacher's elevator speech. So it's like, you need like 50 floors to get it instead of two. Um, right. Like I own it. There are four issues at play. Um, two, we are responding to, and two, we are actively trying to solve. So the first is an issue of uh, transportation. So in much of the United States, transportation is an issue outside of metropolitan areas. And even in metro areas, yeah. it's, it's not always great. Right? Absolutely. And, and we are no different here. And so in St. Paul and Minneapolis, because we, we share a, a transit system that crosses the river, some people don't cross the river between the two cities. We've heard that. The buses do. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the buses do. People don't necessarily, but buses That's do. That's right, yeah. It's $1.75 for a ride, but if you have um, if you exceed your two-hour transfer, then you have to pay $1.75 again. Mm-hmm. If you do the math, it becomes very expensive to, if you have to go to work every day or go to school or get to doctor's appointments, it becomes exceedingly expensive. And the buses don't run as frequently on Sundays. Mm. So for instance, the church whose kitchen we utilize, there's a, a, a bus stop right next to their parking lot. However, that bus does not run on Sundays. Mm. So now we've we've created an issue where there's simply an accessibility piece to getting to a worship space mm-hmm. uh, on a Sunday morning, let alone all the other pieces. And that transportation piece is a, a symptom of the economics, right? And so a lot of my folks are either on um, what in Minnesota we call general assistance, so that's your welfare, um, or they're on uh, social security disability. And for somebody who's never worked uh, and they're on social security disability, they have not paid into the system. So it's um, actually social security, not social security disability. There's two different forms. Uh, That's splitting hairs for this particular (laughs) example, but but there is two different pieces to it. Um, So somebody who's never worked, let's say gets roughly around $700, give or take, depending on what, what the calculations are currently with social security. And out of that $700, you have to pay rent. Well, rent... People talk about the Section 8 vouchers, right? That's the one that we, one when we talk about subsidized housing, that's the big one. In the Twin Cities, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, the wait list is about five years long to get a Section 8 voucher. And they only open up the list to get your name on that voucher, get your name in the application pool once every few years for about wow. 24 hours. Oh, wow. Okay, so now we've taken out a huge resource we act like it doesn't exist. Mm. Like section eight doesn't exist functionally for people. There are some other housing programs that exist if you have certain medical diagnoses or mental health diagnoses, but those are also difficult to get. So a lot of, it sounds like a lottery. It is. Mm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of our folks don't uh, have subsidized housing. Mm -hmm. Right. So now of your $700, the average one bedroom apartment is six something a month. Mm. Now you're done. Yeah. You're not going anywhere, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so now we're talking yeah. about after housing, clothing, food, transportation, education, yeah. healthcare, 
You got nothing what do you left. Do? You, you got nothing. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces for that is um, the Medicaid funding in Minnesota is very high. We do a good job with Medicaid, and we, we historically have done a good job with Medicaid. So, so health insurance tends to be not necessarily a problem for our folks because mm-hmm. they get on the state program for Medicaid. So that's managed. Mm-hmm. The other piece is that when we talk about food support, so food stamps, it would be the SNAP benefits, which is the federal program, I believe, is, is SNAP. So a, a single adult with no income gets about $200 a month in food support. But if you have that $700 in Social Security, you're probably down to like $30 in food support. All right. So all these pieces are at play here. So our food truck responds to those. Okay. We're not solving that, but we're responding to it by bringing church to people with a meal. The second piece that we're responding to, but not solving is issue of food justice. I actually don't get that excited about food justice, which people think is strange considering I do what could be considered a food justice ministry. Mm. Um, There's lots of other people who get really excited about it and good for them because that's not where my passion lies. Mm -hmm. But there is an issue of food. So again, my background is in mental health. And what we see in mental health is folks who have been diagnosed with particularly severe um, mental illness, like very severe bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or very severe depression are prescribed medications that cause metabolic disorders. So the side effect of the medication that helps with the mental health symptoms is that people gain 50, 60, 70 pounds. And get diabetes Mm, and they're on these fixed income and can't access fresh foods. Mm. So now we have this cycle of poor access to food, medications that cause diabetes. And, and now you can just see how difficult this is for folks. The food we make, the Shobies pockets, the calzones, um, hot pockets, whatever you want to call them, they are not necessarily health food, right? It's a carb um, with a filling in it, but it is a food that can be um, heated up later on during the day mm. if somebody doesn't have any food at home. And most of the free meals are at lunch, our breakfast and lunch. So they'll get um, that food, but also it's a carb. There's a protein mm-hmm. and there's usually a vegetable at least in it. And so we can say that we've, we've at least given fresh food, whole food and um, minimally processed food. And it meets some of those dietary requirements that someone might have. So those are the two pieces that we respond to, but are not solving. The two pieces that I get excited about and that we are about solving are uh, vocation and community. And those two pieces go hand in hand. Um, you can't really talk about the one without the other. So a lot of folks who are on disability are not able to work, right? But they have time and they have talent. So why can't we find ways for people to share that time and talent and talk about the vocational gifts that God has given them? And in mental health treatment, one of the things that that is always suggested is volunteering, right? A way of getting outside yourself, doing something that makes you feel good about who you are and what what you're about in this world. So so we give people an opportunity to run a food truck and cook the food and make the food and serve the food. So we have this vocational piece and it's done in community, right? Vocation is always about community and God's people and God, God giving us gifts to share with the world. I love what you're describing is, I mean, and it's on your website there uh, too, a ministry of, by, and for the folks struggling 
on the margins in St. Paul. Clearly, I mean, you've you've given us the whole arc and the reasons, and I and I I find that a sign of God's presence in our midst, right? That, that who we're talking to and how we're feeding one another with a community that can we can we can do some good in an incredible space. You're and you're giving personhood and you're giving worth and you're giving value. And I just I am I'm so struck by your story. I think it's so cool the one, you know your kind of why, what for, what what this is responding to in terms of what God's hopes are and where those hopes can be best served by the people. We can do something about this. I love the idea of the idea of bringing the church to them in that sense too, of like it's bringing a community on mission for the sake of the world to them. I think that's that might be the the most I guess for me like the point that sticks out the most is that it's not just a service from a nameless group of people. It's a community coming into community and making connections intentionally. I mean, literally wheels and doors and a vehicle bringing community into communities to uh, encourage community. That's a lot of communities. (laughs) I think I got a record. From hearing you uh, talk about this, I was so encouraged by one, the idea that what your kind of ministry is immediately answers the why, so what, for what purpose, to, to how does this serve uh, the world? How does this bless the world? Like point by point, that's what you're going for. And in many very literal ways you're serving. But I think the thing that I'm most admittedly like excited about was the part where you said regarding public transit, the fact that you're able to bring sort of a local community closer through the use of a mobile sort of ministry site. So the idea that community happens from within the community because you're you're giving people like ways to lead, to work, there's vocational training, beautiful stuff. But then you bring it back into the community for the sake of growing around it, to spend time there, to drink and eat and talk together. I'd love to hear about where you have seen that kind of thing growing or maybe some just highlights of that because that's what I think is most remarkable because then it moves beyond just the very noble work you're doing, and it becomes about forming gospel communities. Right. So we have been in the same location for nearly three years. And uh, in that time, you know, things ebb and flow uh, with who comes. But we see mostly the same people every week. And there have been a few things that have happened that have been really powerful. One is that just this past year, like in the last six months, people have been willing to tell me exactly where they camp. Oh, wow. And given me permission to come visit them at their campsite. That's some vulnerability. Yeah, right? And and these are campsites that the cops will go in and, and you know, take everything down. Uh, totally, yeah. And so it, it's humbling to be uh, given that information and then not only that, but given permission to show up. So there's that piece to it. Um, then there's been a couple of folks who've become deathly ill and neighbors, folks who hang out with us and some who don't have come to the truck and said, oh, pastor, you need to know, you need to know that this person's really sick. And so we, we've come to this place where they know who we are in the neighborhood and they know who hangs out with us. And so they know that that we are folks who will pray and care and love. Most recently, this happened. I was off for six weeks because uh, I had a baby. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you, baby Giovanni. I came back and immediately everyone said, but you need to know, you need to know that, that this woman is sick. This is a woman, mm-hmm. uh, petite. I don't think she's, 
I'm not sure she's even in her 40s. I wonder if she's younger than me. She's at, at least in her 30s, maybe in her 40s. Lived on the street for years. She calls me her priestess. Gives me a big hug every time she sees me. She tells a story about the, the cops in the neighborhood taking the rookies over to her and saying, okay, now this is Jessie. Don't mess with her. Yeah. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> Leave her alone. Because she teaches younger folks who get on the street how to, how to be street smart and how to function. And she Function's takes, right. yeah, and, and she takes care of, care of folks. And so uh, I got back to work and they said, She's dying. She's in the ICU at the at, at Regions, and we and we need to at the hospital, and we need to take care take care of her, and you need to pray for her. you need to pray for a miracle, and you need to get down there. So so I get back to work after six weeks, and they tell me that I need to go see her, and and I do. And winter is a funny thing when you're pregnant because I showed up with a baby, and and she said she looked at me and she was like, "Whose kid is that? Whose baby is that?" And I was like, "Well, I had a baby." <laughs> Yeah. But winter, winter, co- winter yeah. coats cover up a lot. But I saw her in the hospital. It was good to see her. And it was beautiful how the community uh, demanded that I go see her, that the community made sure I was showing up sure. and made sure I knew. Uh, and then last week, we got an update from a, a woman who I, I wasn't quite sure if she was a relative or if she was a, a good family friend, but doesn't matter either way. Um she came to the truck and said, I want to make sure you pray. I want to make sure you pray for her. And we're not praying for her to get better. We're praying for a good death. Um, and, and she's going to die of cirrhosis. Um, her liver has, has, is done. Liver's done. But our, our privilege is that we get to know that she is dying and get to pray for her and love her home, right? Love her back to the creator. And uh, that comes from showing up consistently week after week after week and being uh, non-judgmental and just loving folks um, where they are. That's a cool story. And that's, that's what I think I'm most excited about hearing this ministry is just how incarnational it is. That it's about being with for and the the yeah. idea we've talked about before about in communities and I don't know if we've said this before but I mean I think it was some of the best advice I've ever heard was the idea of like people don't care until they know you care and you guys being there showing up yeah. day in it's it's an investment and it's it's a confession you know it's a declaration of your mm-hmm. your desire mm-hmm. to stick with them and there's nothing more Jesus than that that I'm in this there's nothing more Jesus than right. Jesus coming back from the dead saying, no, I'm still in this, not stopping. I love you too much to be done. And yeah. that's what that's what this community is. I'm sure, I mean, as hectic as a mission development site is and how probably easy it could be to be like, I don't know if I want to do this or, I mean, big picture, what am I doing here? Uh, you're sticking with it is everything. It's so cool. Yeah, and it's an and it's a not a what you would think of a traditional quote unquote site, right? And and everything is different, and and it's all over the place. But you're you're taking humanity, and as you're forming community, you're you're giving human worth, and God shows up in those moments, and it's holy work. It's incredible. It feels holy in uh, so many ways. We never know who we're going to see, and then. 
folks show up and we, I think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is dumb. Maybe this is a dumb idea. We shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be doing this. And then somebody says, thank you for being here. Thank you for, for showing up. And, and a, a mother and mm-hmm. son will show up, uh, as we're getting ready to shut down for the day. And they will be, they will say, can we have some prayers? We need some prayers today for this. This is what's going on in our life. And they know that they can show up mm-hmm. in this spot on Thursday between 11 and 12 and someone will pray with them. It's powerful stuff. Yeah, and we we have, you know, folks see their neighbors and their friends come in to eat with us and so they hang out. The the summertime is um cuz we we do go year round. This is Minnesota and we go <laughs> we are there in January. Um we only we only shut down in January if it's uh if the Minneapolis schools shut down and that's 30 below. 0, 30 below 0. Folks camp here around here. But in the summertime, it, it, right. it is like a block party. Folks are lingering. Someone will like turn on some music on their cell phone. We're hanging out. Like it's chill. People are biking around. So we have fun. Like we play. That's good. It's great. Worship. I was just telling someone this this morning. Uh, worship is. So we we stop serving during the time of worship, which was a request by the community. Um, the folks who serve said we want to worship, too. This is important. So that was not the pastor's decision. That was that was the lay folks saying like we want we want to participate. So what we nice. do is I read the gospel lesson. We follow the lectionary, the RCL, and I read the gospel unless I'm really fed up with the gospel of John, and then we then we do something else. <laughs> it's just, like we all do. Yeah, like we all do. And it's like, well, we're not going to do this today. Um, and then. When uh, I preach a little bit, maybe a minute, maybe two, maybe three, depending on how long the attention span is for everyone, sort of like my four-year-old, and yep. and no, 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 please leave that. <laughs> and then here, take this one. So I preach a little bit based on the gospel lesson, and then often because here's the other piece: is Lutherans are not very good at street ministry. <laughs> oh yeah. We are not street preachers. And and most of the storefront churches in a poor area are all evangelical, Pentecostal, you know, non-denominational. You won't see a main line there. You might see a Catholic, but you ain't seeing a main line. Sure. So I am a a main line voice in the midst of a a spot that does not have a main line. And so our folks are, are used to a different... Uh, understanding of the gospel. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, the freedom is not free, right? And not only that, there are other cultural pieces, right? Like Lutherans don't generally take testimonies. We don't have testimony time, right? We don't like turn over the the altar to whoever. Yeah, I do. Mostly because I have no choice. Yeah. Well, I, and and it's funny when you said that, I was like, I wonder why we don't. You know, oh, like, I know. Well, you're in the South, so maybe maybe like that. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, we're pretty straight. <laughs> we're pretty, uh, you know, pretty tight. Yeah. So so my crew, like the possibility of someone being moved by the spirit and bearing witness is fairly likely. Pretty likely. Yep. So if it happens, we're just like taking the witness. Roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to I'm what I'm imagining this at Calvary, Kyle. It's like, what did you just ask us? Yeah. Get on with it. Like, I mean, <laughs> and my own church, same thing. It'd be like, <laughs> what? Please stop looking at us. Please don't ask us to do something. But hey, 
you got to go with it, right? It's super great. And so then, you know, if, if there's any testimonies that happen or witnesses that happen, let's be real, they, they happen at any moment on the street and it, it, uh, it does not conform to my timeline. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. We're having a testimony time right now. Um, so after I preach, we say our prayers, I solicit um, prayer requests from the community, and then we have Holy Communion. And uh, our altar table is um, a, a plastic folding table with a, the coffee urn on it and the coffee fixings and maybe some donations for folks that day and maybe some candy or cookies or treats of some sort and the chalice. Nice. And if I like get my act together, the, the liturgically appropriate colored felt. <laughs> 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 sure that's great bring in a little bit of that there that's so cool though like i mean you were describing at the beginning your kind of personality that worked well with working with people who are maybe going through and uh, i mean a break an episode uh where you you're able to be that non-anxious presence the type of leadership required for something like that is a non-anxious presence that goes yeah listen it's worship absolutely it's going, and someone's talking about the holy spirit quite literally what more can i ask for and like I'm, I'm listening to one going like this. That is so great. But I know there's plenty of folks that that is that, that is not their tradition, and that would be something that would peak anxiety. Yep. It's like, oh, I'm gonna have to explain away something if it goes away. I can't. I can't make sense of in my own thing. It's like, can you just let the spirit do what the spirit does? Because even the most well crafted response you're gonna have, it may not land. So yeah, I, I love it. I love this. Uh, it's it's incarnational, it's indigenous, and it's inspired. So I, I I love that that idea, the willingness that you're you're offering to to stand in it, you know, to let it happen and to let people's voices be heard. This that's come up on this episode on this podcast like thirty six times. Is how do we help people share their story? It's like you're gonna have to let them talk. Oh wait, what? Yeah, no, you just <laughs> have to be like, all right, that's cool. Let's hear it. And and I don't try to manage it. Right. Well, it's funny how many times people, when they do have, when uh, discourse, dialogue, conversations happen, people will say something and the church ethic, uh, traditional Protestant ethic will show up and someone will disagree and then say it. And then you see the other person like, how dare you? Or you'll see the other person go, oh, interesting. And the other person goes, I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, Okay, this politeness is so sweet. However, there's nothing wrong with somebody saying something different in how they're experiencing God or this truth that we're all wrestling with. Right. We need to be conditioned in a way to uh, understand the difference of opinion doesn't mean a uh, 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 an entire set of different values that are incongruent with mine and mean to destroy mine, as opposed to like, oh, whoa, huh. Here comes God again, surprising me. Yeah, right. You know? God shows up in the midst of that. And and one of one of the big learnings for me early on when we first started doing communion was um, I'm a good, solid Lutheran and I'm a trained social worker, so I really don't want to offend anyone. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm on the street. So I'm on the street, right? And somebody's invariably going to be offended. Like even yep. even in a, like a bricks and mortar church, yeah. right? But but particularly on the street where you don't know what you're right. getting. And there are the people who are kind of in the the tighter clearly participating in worship uh area because we're just on the sidewalk hanging out. 
and I was serving communion. And then a young man came up and he was starting to look like he was going to get some food. And he kind of turned and I wasn't going to see if he wanted communion. But one of our main main leaders, one of our key leaders was like, hey, we're doing communion. You want some? I was like, shut <laughs> up. Like, don't, you know, you don't know if you don't, you don't know. You don't know. And you know what he did? He turned around and held out his hand. La- See, uh, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Right? And so my lesson was get out of my own way, suck it up, do what Invitation. God has called you yeah. to do, and offer. And so I offer, and more often than not, the person that I'm offering to who seems to be on the edge takes it. And I've probably given at least 10 first communions and people will, will, they see that something's happening in community. And so they're curious and they'll, they see everyone else holding out their hand and they'll say, well, what, well, what is this? And I'll say to them, well, this is the promise that from God, that, that God will always love you. And, and yeah. do you want, do you want this? Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you, but you are more than welcome to have this. And almost always they say Yes. They want that. They want the sign of the promise, the tangible, right? Baptism and communion, the tangible promise of God's love. And so what we are doing is giving people these tangible moments of the kingdom because there are very few of those. And, yeah. and, and we have folks who haven't communed in 20 years who are like, I haven't done this in so long. And, and it's just there. There's no judgment. You don't have to go into a building. I'm just saying here, this means God loves you. Do you want it? It just reminds me of that. Remember, Kyle, we did that interview uh, with Herb, Herb, uh, Paul Herbs. Was that his name? Herbs from uh, LWR saying that quote about like, I don't need to convince you to come take this meal. I'm just going to tell you how good it tastes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and that was it. Like the way you articulated it. It's funny. There's, you know, there's these funny church signs. The idea that a church sign could say like, free bread and wine every Sunday. I mean to say it's free. Can I just Mm -hmm. say this is a gift from God to us? If I could just make that abundantly clear, how big of a change in in the just simple vocabulary have we seen in message, mission, intentions, and saying something like, it's about how much God loves you and it's yours if you want it. Just take it if you'd like. You don't Mm -hmm. have to, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it is there. It's there. And, and uh, talking about our language where we say how the gospel is transformative, right? How it changes the world, how when we're open to it, we never know what we're going to expect. But when we're in our neat, uh, what do we want to say, our brick and mortar churches or any ministry, sometimes we don't realize how incredibly dramatic that is. And how when you have a moment, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it looks like somebody coming up and saying, I have something to say and you're not planning on it. Or somebody comes and wants what you don't think they want and, and people are offended and you never know what's going to happen next. When it happens, that's a grace-filled moment that sometimes we talk about it being transformative. But as a person who spends a lot of time in the church, when you live it out, it's completely different. And it is so wonderful when you see it happen. One other piece that's important to know about how we do ministry is that um, the big churches around here hire food trucks. And so a lot of times the ministries among people living in poverty are not able to be self-sustaining financially. And I built in a funding structure for this where we can cater events as as like the Synod's food truck. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And what we accidentally learned, 
spirit led accident, whatever, same thing. Um, sure. Happy accident was that we can have a service project for people. And so what, what we do is it's pay to play. And so we get hired as um, a food truck to do like rally day or one of the Wednesday night meals or Lent suppers, whatever. We get hired. And what we say to people is we will come to you and we will bring all the supplies and we will bring our leadership team. You will provide us with the space in the kitchen and up to 20 volunteers. And so now what happens is our crew teaches their crew how we do ministry by cooking the food. And then what happens in the midst of that cooking together, right? Because we talk when we cook, we're just hanging out. So what happens is that the, the mother of the teenager, uh, who's hanging out volunteering with her church gets to know candy from our church who had her kid when she was 15, but their mom's talking about raising kids Mm -hmm. and it's no, it's not a us and them. It's just, we're hanging out, getting to know each other. And you learn that, you know, one of our leaders was homeless for five years just by saying like, well, how'd you get to Minnesota from Boston? Yeah. Well, you know, I did Job Corps and I did this. And so this is how I'm here. And so we're doing the relational building piece. And so it's not, uh, it's not the bigger churches cutting us a benevolence check. It is us having something to offer the broader church yeah. and uh, relationship building in that yeah. process. And so... We've had a lot of fun and we do a lot of repeat uh, events with congregations and as young as three can hang out with us and be covered in flour and, and and the (laughs) oldest grandmother in the congregation. Right. And we all hang out together and it's beautiful because our folks get to see the breadth of the Lutheran church because there's like a hundred and I'm not entirely sure anymore how many uh, congregations are in the St. Paul area synod. A bunch. A lot. But you're in relationship. They're learning from you, and you are, you're not just receiving. You're They are learning from you as well, and you're, you're learning from each other. That's beautiful. We have something to offer. So it's no longer just like the poor people receiving all the time. It's, it's we have skills. We have something mm. that you need, and we're going to do this together. And from that, we've had four... Um, High school students over the past three years, one did his Eagle Scout project with us, and three young women did um, papers on poverty in Minnesota related to their experiences with their churches volunteering with us. So we've really been able to give people um, entrance into learning about a deeper learning about their own community. Thank you so much for sharing, like, all the ways that you guys are kind of like blessing the environment you're in, the the mission territory, the, the field where God's doing this great thing. So we're so grateful. And if, if anyone wants to learn more about it, they can check out your uh, your website, right? What's your website? Shobistable.org, S-H-O-B-I-S, table.org. And it, I think on there it tells like how we got the name Shoby because that's always a question. Second Samuel chapter 17, last two verses. There you go. Look it up. There you go. Well, it's under the about. Who is Shobi right there, it says. So, yeah, go check that out. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter feed because all food trucks are supposed to have a Twitter feed. Um, someday I'll get around to, like, actually updating that frequently. I feel like there's something else. Oh, we have ELCA World Hunger has done some resources based on Shobi's Table. So you can look us up within there. There's a video and there's an education guide to their video. Cool. Well, thank you. Apart from that, I mean, I, I think 
what we could take away from this, and I hope everyone has enjoyed the conversation because I just think it, it, it articulates the neat way that God's doing new things. So thank you again for being on the show. And uh, Kyle, do we have any other announcements we have to make for hot dish related nonsense? Mm, no, I think we're good. I think we did it. Okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, as always, to hell with the hot dish. To hell with the hot dish. You get to say it, Margaret. Oh, to hell with the hot dish. Yay!